Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is December the 8th, 2022, a Thursday. One of the nice things about this show is I get to interview, I have the honor of of, uh, of interviewing some of America's finest fictional writers. I'm a nonfiction person myself, but that still allows me to talk to some, Ameri some of America's most talented writers. One show I enjoyed uh, earlier this year was my conversation with Gene Hanf Korolitz, um, uh, who has a new book out, a new novel, The Latecomer. It's a big hit. And I was actually introduced to uh, the Korolitz book by a wonderful review in the New York Times on the book. Uh, the review uh, of the Coralitz book was written by my guest today. She's an, another New York Times best-selling writer, Allegra Goodman, and she has a new book out. Uh, it's coming out next month called Sam, and I'm thrilled uh, that Allegra is joining us uh, from her home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just west uh, of Harvard University. Allegra, welcome. Congratulations on the new book. Um, do you like reviewing? Did you enjoy? I mean, you don't. You, I, my sense is you spend most of your time on your fiction. Uh, but uh, what's it like reviewing uh, a book of another distinguished fiction writer? Your your review of the Coralitz book was pretty positive. Do you ever do bad reviews? <laughs> well, I like writing reviews. And um, do I? If I really, really hated a book, I probably wouldn't review it because just as a novelist myself, I know how hard it is to write a novel. And um, I think of a review as a chance to sort of shed light on something. And um, so if I really, you know, didn't think it should be published or really hated it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go write a review. But um, I try to write a balanced review and a sensitive review, a, a thoughtful review that sort of does the book justice, the kind of review that I'd want somebody to do of me. Yeah, I wonder uh, if if Coralitz will uh, reverse the favors, so to speak, and, and do the. Uh, if any anyone from the New York Times is watching, give uh, Allegra's new book Sam to Coralitz. It'd be interesting. Another uh, of America's most talented um, female novelists, A.M. Holmes, uh, was on the show recently, and she talked again in the context of her new book about how American novelists need to not just keep up with, but also overtake reality. Are you a realist writer, fiction writer, Allegra? Is Sam an attempt to uh, write about what it's like? It's a book about growing up, about young women growing up. Is it an attempt to at, at realist fiction? Do you like uh, these labels with your fiction? <laughs> Are they helpful or, or, or a bit of a waste of time? Well, I think they can be both. Um, I guess it all depends on how you define realist fiction. Um, in the sense that my book is not science fiction and it's not um, supernatural or fantasy, I guess you could call it in a broad way, realist fiction. Um, I guess what I was doing with Sam was really just trying to tap into the experience of one person in, a, in what I felt was a real way, in an authentic way. That's what I was really looking for. Um, I had this idea. I'm one of those people that wanted to be a writer since I was really small. When I was seven years old, I decided to be a writer. 
And when I was seven, I also knew what it was like to be a child. And I thought to myself, adults aren't capturing this, and, you know, not in those words, but I was sort of like, I'm going to remember exactly how this is. And when I get older, I'm going to report back. And yeah, um, that's, that's a, I, um, jumping in here, Allegra. It's a fascinating idea, quoting you back. I knew what it was like to be a child. Uh, a couple of <laughs> thoughts on that. First, do you think you were unusual? And perhaps say something about what it was like for Allegra Goodman at seven to be a child. <laughs> I think I was a fairly unusual child. Where um, did you grow up? I grew up in Honolulu. Um, I was um, a very kind of dreamy, imaginative kid. Uh, my parents taught at the University of Hawaii. My father is a philosopher and my mother was a biologist. Um, and um, I was also a very fair-skinned person growing up in Hawaii, so I didn't fit in well. Um, and I loved books and I was very dreamy and very much in my imagination. And so, yeah, and as soon as I learned how to read, I wanted to be a writer. Um, I also spent a lot of time sort of remembering things even when I was little and I draw upon memory and experience in my own work, even now, especially now. So coming back to this idea of what it was like to be a, a seven-year-old, um, how much of that is incorporated into this new book, Sam? How much of it is, and, and I know this is a bit of a dumb question, but I have to ask it as a fictional writer, um, how much of it is autobiography? It's so interesting. I'm actually very interested in that sort of that question about autobiography in fiction. And I read a lot of literary biography and I'm really interested in that. I would say that my work is not autobiographical and that the facts are not the facts of my life, but it's deeply personal. So I do draw upon my memories and my experiences. I would also say that there's a kind of stereophonic thing that happens when you write a novel like this, because I couldn't have written this novel as a young, young person, but as somebody who had raised a daughter, I drew upon my experience as a child and also my perception of her experience as a seven-year-old and as a child, if that makes sense. So I had both things going on, which is why I was able to, even though the book is very much from Sam's point of view, her parents are very important characters in the story, her mother, her father. Um, so you get both sides of it. And that is actually one of the most amazing things about writing fiction is sort of like this displacement of personal, very personal experience as in a dream. Um, so it's very deep expression and at the same time displaced and transformed. You mentioned your own daughter. Um, you've written about her. You had a piece in Vogue uh, on your daughter's brain tumor, some very moving mm -hmm writing some photos of your daughter who uh pleased to announce is still around um <laughs> both as a young girl and when she was a little older how much of that is incorporated is there some mother allegra goodman in there as well as um some 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 seven-year-old and and to what extent is sam herself based on your daughter as opposed to the seven-year-old uh, allegra goodman well, it's all it's all sort of there, as I was saying, that it's 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 in this sort of intricate knot. And there's a lot of me as a mother. There's a lot of her as a child. There's there's also me as a child. There's a lot of my mother in there. So these different experiences and memories, come, they weave together in such an interesting way. Um, 
interestingly, she was also seven when she had this brain tumor. Seven was when I decided to be a writer. Seven is the age that Sam is when the book starts. It's an important age. <laughs> um, my daughter read the book um, and she said, I think you should be giving me some royalties for taking, um, you know, some of my, you know, using some of my <laughs> life. So I said, well, you know, you brought her out well, Allegra. She's she has an entrepreneurial spirit. Totally, yeah. I and said I pointed out that I am paying her. Tell me a little bit about your daughter. What does she do now? What's her name? Her name is Miranda, and uh, she is twenty years old. And I, I should add that I got her permission to write about her in this essay for Vogue, which really is a personal essay. And as yeah. I was writing it, I was sort of thinking I prefer to write fiction, um, but I did get her permission. Um, she's studying computer science. Um, at Barnard. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, so, and again, uh, the other dumb question when it comes to fiction written by women about women, and it's not only autobiography, but the the F question, the feminist question. We, we did a show with um, oh, Richard Reeves recently. He has an interesting new book out on today's crisis of masculinity. It's, it's getting a lot of attention of boys and men. Um, to, to what extent is this book, and we've done so many shows on women writing about girls and growing up and adolescence, mm -hmm. to what extent would you describe the book as uh, feminist? I know that's perhaps a rather old fashioned word. One of the things that strikes me is even the title, Sam, could apply equally to a boy as to a girl. I assume you chose that name for that reason. <laughs> Well, her parents chose the name and I, you know, they were speaking through me, but um, well, I don't think I would call my, I think it's dangerous to call a piece of art um, by a political name. My work isn't polemical. I myself am a proud feminist, but I, I wouldn't uh, apply that label to Sam as a person, as a character or to these characters. It's definitely a book about um, girlhood. It's about a young girl growing up. It's also a book in which the other really major character is a man, and that is Sam's father. Um, so it's, it is also a book about manhood. Um, you know, I take a holistic view, I guess you could say. Yeah, we did a show actually with a young female novelist who, who, who wrote a, a novel about uh, her relationship, uh, a relationship with her father. And the more we talked, the more it became clear that that was autobiography. What kind of relations did you have with, with your family, with your mother and father? Uh, my parents were amazing in many ways. Um, they were both, they both love literature. My father is a philosopher and also a translator of classical Arabic and very much loves language. And my mother was very witty. She died young, as you know from my essay, but she was witty and she loved, um, she loved art. And when I, I think what was the, really the salient point for me was growing up, they supported the idea that I was interested in becoming a writer and an artist. And not all parents do that. You know, I was also, you know, I was not sort of destined for a very practical career in business or, you know, <laughs> computers or, and I was, did not have a scientific bent like my mother and my sister did. Um, and they, they really supported that and took me seriously as an artist. And I think in another family, I would have maybe not become a writer or would have struggled a lot. 
You describe yourself as being pale growing up in, in Honolulu, one per, um, but also as an outsider. Occurs to me that in, I, I'm not sure, I, I assume you never met uh, Obama, but he had a similar experience growing up as an outsider in yes. Hawaii. Um, is there something about that in your development as a writer? Do you think it helped you separate Absolutely. yourself, get that sort of position? I mean, Obama is also a very successful writer, not of fiction, of course, but of nonfiction. But he has a good grasp of, of distancing himself from his subject as well as himself. Absolutely. Um in, fun fact, Obama and I shared some teachers, although he's older than I am. And his fifth grade teacher, Mabel Hefty, was also my fifth grade teacher. And Very cool. He wrote about her, and I then wrote about her. <laughs> um, and um, I also read this. I read, you know, his work where he talked about being an outsider at Punahou, which is the school that we went to. There were very, very, very few African-American people there, although it was a very multiracial school. And there were also very few Jewish people there. And I was one of the few Jews in my class. Um, so so I, I, I did relate very much to his feeling and being an outsider there, especially an outsider in a place that's supposed to be multicultural and very, very accepting. Racial situation in Hawaii when I was growing up was very complicated. And it wasn't completely accepting of everything and everybody. At, you know, where there are people, there is politics there are racial tensions. Um, so, you know, I, I was I was quite interested in that. And I think that um, being sort of Howley, as it were, Howley, um, and uh, also Jewish made me a, part of a very, very small group of people in Honolulu. And I was very much other and looking from the outside in a lot of times in social situations. Um, and it definitely helped me um, spend more time in my imagination and also it, it gave me some sensitivity um, to, to what that's like, to not being sort of in the center, but on the periphery. It's a good place to be if you're an observer and a writer. I'm not sure if you've seen the new uh, Steven Spielberg film, uh, Fable. I haven't, I've seen the trailers. It looks really uh, interesting. It's interesting because again, it's, uh, I think it would resonate with you. It's about a, a boy growing up, um, going to a school in California, again, being uh, Jewish, very clearly Jewish, his name, his appearance, his family, uh, and being an outsider. Um, and what's interesting about the film is his ambivalence about blaming his parents for that situation. Did you ever blame your parents for being, for being unusual? No, 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 no. I didn't blame my parents for being unusual, although I've written about that. I've written characters who blamed their parents <laughs> for being unusual. Um, and, you know, I think that um, it's very interesting. There's a whole genre of films like like Spielberg's film and also books like of, I'm thinking, you know, the famous portrait of the artist as a young man and, yeah. and many others of movies like Lady Bird and they're about sort of yeah, boyhood or, or the movie Boyhood, in fact, um, yeah. young person growing up. And what happens to that young person when they grow up? They become uh, a, a filmmaker in Spielberg's case or in uh, Rick Linklater's case in Boyhood or um, director slash author in Greta Gerwig's case in Lady Bird or a, 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 a writer novelist in the case of James Joyce's 
character in a portrait of the artist. And one of the things that interested me in writing Sam was to write a story of girlhood and growing up in which the character did not become like me, a writer. She became something else that she, you know, it's not the story of an artist growing up. Um, How old, um, so, so Sam begins at seven. When, when, I don't want you to give the, the plot away because we mm -hmm. want everyone to buy the book, but um, when do we, when do you leave Sam? How old is she? I think she's 21. And what do you think 21. she's doing now? What she's doing now? Oh. How old is she now, would you guess? Would she, uh, so Sam is about the age of my eldest son. So she would be about 30 now. And what so do you think she'd she's... be embarked on her career, hopefully. <laughs> what would you like her to be doing? You put her into the world, Allegra. You mothered her, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I resist that kind of speculation about my books. I've often been asked, like, should write a sequel or to write the next, you know, the next installment. And I like to leave it to the character and their man. I like to set them free, let's just say. Set them free at the end of the book. Well, and as like a parent, I, I, I haven't written fiction, but as a parent, the thing that it's a cliche, but I always think it's true. Most cliches are true. All you want is for your your children to be happy. Do you think that's true also of your fictional characters? You want Sam, whatever she's doing, to be happy? <laughs> you know, it's very tricky to say you want someone to be happy. I mean, what if what if what makes them happy is what makes you extremely unhappy? Like, for <laughs> so, example... You know, so, well, I, you know, I see this as a mother of four. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, be careful what you wish for there. Do I want Sam to be happy? I want her to be herself. I want her to, to grow into herself. And I think that's, that is the, that is what I describe in this book. That that's the plot of this book. Um, someone so, becoming so the notion herself. Of growing into yourself. Hmm. Does that suggest that we all have this, sort of almost a prehistoric self that we theoretically can grow into. Some succeed, some don't. No, I don't think so. I think that's a little bit too reductive for me. Um, I think that there are many possibilities and I don't um, sort of discount external circumstances. Um, and that's very much part of this book. You know, she is not privileged. She has struggles. She has some sadness and some tragedy in her life that she has to deal with. I don't, to say that uh, we grow into sort of this, the essential self that we were always meant to be, um, seems a little bit too pat to me. Um, there's so many variables, um, so much luck involved and um, things beyond our control involved. And um, and it's those complexities that make it fascinating to to write what what might seemingly be a simple story. It's not an obvious trajectory all the time. So the the choices we we in real life and in fictional life we all take parts, yep. forks in the road, decisions. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. There's very much choices. And the whole issue of like a character having choices in a book is very interesting, of course. That may be uh, Sam <laughs> on the phone. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, the phone's ringing. Should I? Um, it could be oh, Sam go away. telling you it'll not go to away. talk too much about her. <laughs> so if that the novelist's job to to um to make those choices for their characters or to provide their readers with the choices and the reasons why their characters made those choices yeah i think that it's almost like a collaboration between the 
myself, the writer, and the character. I would never say the character got away from me and she made these choices. She did her own thing. I don't, you know, because I created her and I am in control to a certain extent. But there's a certain amount of improvisation that happens when you know your character and a certain, excuse me, a certain amount of exploration that happens in the writing process. And that's what makes it so interesting to do. I think the goal would be that uh, the choice would, the choices that the character would make would make sense and um, that they might be surprising, but also inevitable or feel inevitable in some ways. Yeah, as you right. said, nothing is inevitable. We've yeah. done some shows on parenting mm -hmm. and the helicopter parent phenomenon. I'm sure. I'm not sure if that's still a vogue, <laughs> but we did one with Matt Feeney who has warned about the roots of overparenting. Do you think as a writer, you can, so to speak, overparent your characters? Oh yeah, definitely. You have to allow room for room for imagination. <laughs> you you can't stifle your character. You have to get you have to know them. You have to inhabit them. I, the way I would describe it, actually, the best way I can describe it is I think of writing as performance. It's almost theatrical. So it's so my relationship to my character is much like an actor's relationship to the character. I want to know as much as I can about their background and I want to understand how they would behave, how they would look, how they would speak, their mannerisms, their voice. I would try to and I would try to perform that. And I think of my work as a writer as a kind of performance. But it gets even more interesting than that because as a novelist, you don't you're not just the actor. You're also the director. You're also the lighting designer. You're also the cast, the casting director. So if you have ideas, you think about how to cast them into different situations or different people. And if you have people, you might think how to cast them into different ideas. Um, and you play all of those roles um, and there's no budget except for your own time. So your production and you know your performance is it's a whole theater that you're developing. Um, that's how I really see um, developing a character and um, producing it for the audience. And the big difference between the performances that I do and the performance that you might see on stage is the delay between when I finish and when the audience sees it. We made a joke, Allegra, before we started about your name, Goodman. Some people misspell it. Um, and I joke, maybe I should call you Godman or mm -hmm. Godwoman. But you are presenting the, the novelist as a kind of god. In charge well, of everything, directing, producing, determining the narrative, <laughs> creating the person. You know, as as you know, there's a there's a great polemic within the writing community about power. Uh, you seem to acknowledge that the writer, for better or worse, is all powerful. Is that something that you're sometimes uncomfortable with? Is it is this a dilemma for you, or is it something we simply have to acknowledge and come to terms with, for better or worse? Oh, I don't think the writer is all powerful. I mean, maybe in a very tiny world. <laughs> but all powerful in creation. terms of their characters as the, the director yeah. and the producer. But remember, there is the collaborative the aspect. There is the collaborative aspect that I mentioned where sometimes the material will resist. And the ultimate um, form of resistance is when something doesn't work. And then the writer has to go back to the drawing board. And that's very ungodlike, you know, to have to um, take things apart and redo them. Uh, but, but the writer's very uh, fallible. Allegra, when saying. you say that it doesn't work, it's your decision it doesn't work. It's not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have to have discernment as well. <laughs>
It's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fascinating um, dilemma uh, for a writer. You've written a lot of short stories as well. How do you distinguish between short stories and full books? I mean, you're also, uh, as I said, a New York Times bestselling writer. Do you sometimes yeah, think that you could squeeze Sam into a, so a short story or did she require a novel? Sam definitely required a novel. Um, I love writing short stories. Short stories are very contained and I think it would be difficult for me to uh, squeeze 14 years of somebody's life into a short story of, of you know, maybe 4,000 words. Sometimes what you have to say requires time passing and development and that kind of development that I show in this in in Sam's life requires a novel to show it um so I, I love both forms and actually one of the things that I was interested in Sam though was taking some of that energy that concentrated energy of the short story and using that in a novel seeing how that would work um so the the two genres are related in my mind yeah, we did a show recently on Chekhov. Uh, I'm not sure. I love him. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, whether in a way his work so remarkable, in, in some ways it makes novels, I mean, especially sort of Tolstoyan length novels, perhaps a little redundant. Let's end, um, let's end uh, Allegro with some, some lessons from the book. I know maybe there aren't any, but in terms of young women, we did, we've done so many shows on young women, what, what they should and shouldn't do. We did one with the English feminist Catherine Angel, for example, on the abortion issue. And uh, she believes that girls need to take sexual risks if they're to grow up to become women. Of course, Sam, for a seven-year-old, that's not really appropriate, but she does indeed get older. Uh, we've talked about the whole issue of raising teenage girls in the age of the internet. Uh, we even did a show about... Um, making women bolder uh for mothers or young women who read the book it, it, are there lessons do you think i mean or, or is that again too reductive and inappropriate way of reading <laughs> your book? well if i wanted um if i wanted to give people lessons i would teach a class or i'd write an op-ed or an essay or a book about women young women in america this book, Sam does take risks and she, the book starts when she's seven, but it is very much about her as a young, a young woman. Um, so I should say there's this trajectory in the book. Um, and so what I would hope to leave the reader with is a sense of recognition, a sense of understanding through emotion um, of what, of what, one person's life is and a sense of valuing of of that life really what i try to do in sam is something that i used to see you know in those um time-lapse photographs of maybe a seed opening with the leaves coming out or a flower opening to show somebody's mind and heart expanding opening and taking in the world that's what i was that's what i'd like to leave the reader with Excellent.